Welcome back, NEC Hoops fans, to yet another NEC On The Run podcast on the NEC Overtime Pod. I'm Ron Radner, and I am here with Ryan Peters at Pioneer underscore Pride, NEC blogger extraordinaire. Ryan, once again, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Ron. Okay, let's get right to the weekend takeaways. We got gridlock in the standings. I can't even think what tiebreakers may look like down the line. Where do we stand, Ryan? Uh, it's craziness right now. I mean, you have, you know, you have literally like, you know, seven teams that are, are kind of standing there with, like within a game and a half of first place. You know, you have a you have the three way tie um, for first place with Bryant, Merrimack and FDU at six and four. And then you have a bunch of teams behind them, just barely behind them. Um, and, you know, even, you know, Central Connecticut, you can't count them out in ninth place at this point. Um, same with St. Francis, Brooklyn in eighth. So, I mean, it's it's just going to be a really fun finish. We got about three weeks to the to the finish line here, maybe a little bit longer due to rescheduling, but um, it's going to be it's going to be terrific to see how the NEC tournament shakes out with the top four. What have you taken away from the season as it goes to, you know, series like playing these back to back series, games being played in front of no crowds? Have the games been closer of the games but we've been seeing the splits versus sweeps what are some of the numbers well at this point we've played 24 back-to-backs and I think early on it looked like a lot of these games were being split a lot of these series were being split um, but last week we had three sweeps in Wagner FDU and Merrimack um, so at this point we out of the 24 back-to-backs we've had 14 splits we've had 10 sweeps so that's 42 percent of these series have been swept and if you get a sweep, if you get, if you go two and zero in you know a short period of time, uh, you know you could rapidly move up the standings as we've seen from FDU. You know you you sweep Bryant, you're at two and four. You sweep Bryant, and then you sweep LIU, and all of a sudden, boom, you're tied for first place. Same thing with Merrimack too. They're sitting there at one and three. You know they got the Mount really played well against them down in Emmitsburg, and then all of a sudden, you know you, you get a you get a sweep or two, and then boom, you're at six and four, and you're feeling pretty good if you're Joe Gallo. So. I don't know if we have really seen too much, you know, I don't, it's still probably a statistical, it's statistically a small sample size with these 24 backs to backs, but it looks like, you know, 58% splits, 20, 42% sweeps. Um, I don't know if there's really much we could read into that other than, you know, if, if you want to, if you want to compete for NEC tournament berth, you, you better not get swept because an 0 and 2 mark is really going to really going to hurt you big time. What about uh, home team success without, the crowds this year is it is there any factor at all yeah i don't think there's there's a major difference ron between you know home games now and the post pandemic and and before in the pre-pandemic because if you look at last year with all these you know with the fans in the stands nec teams are winning 60 percent of the time in league games now it's still right around 60 percent so i think early on we were seeing a lot of home teams win i think that was just maybe just a statistical fluke at this point so I don't see any tangible difference between pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, at least not right now, uh, given all the, the league games that we've played. Yeah, and to just wrap this up, the games have been pretty close. We there have I think there's only been four blowouts the entire uh, conference schedule. So the games have been intriguing. The back-to-back is like another element of intrigue. And um, I think it just made for a fun season. Yeah, you know, I've been talking to the coaches about these back-to-backs throughout the year, and um, it's interesting. Some like them, some don't. You know, it's it's actually from a scouting perspective, it's a little bit easier because you're playing the same team two days in a row, and you really only have to – a lot of coaches really just focus on adjusting, making the adjustments for their team going into that second game. 
So it's a little bit easier from that res in that respect. But then again, there's also the time crunch too, right? You play you play your first game at 7 p.m. You play that second game probably in the afternoon. So you're looking at like a 20 hour difference between game one and game two. So it, for the coaches, it's pretty intense because they're watching film after that first game. They're probably going to bed pretty late. They're getting up early to, to brief their players on the adjustments they need to make. And you do maybe a quick like shoot around or something like that. But um, so as far as, you know, the schedule might be a little more intense, but I think some coaches kind of like it because it makes it a little bit easier because before, obviously, you're playing a different team two days later, you know, when you had these Thursday to Saturday games, but now it's a little bit different when you're playing the same team from, so there, there, there's good and bad for, from both aspects. Let's move on from our schedule to the teams that have been uh, on a roll as of late. We had three teams last week coming off terrific uh, series. Let's start with FDU. Yeah, actually the defense really stepped it up. I mean, if this, if this team's defending, the way they did against LIU this past week, um, they're, you know, the, the league's in big trouble because we already know how good this offense is. But, you know, they held the, you know, the Knights held the Sharks to 0.87 points per possession in the two games. Easily the two best defensive efforts from Greg Horenda's group for the 2020-21 season. Uh, they extracted 34 turnovers and scored 44 points off those turnovers. And they held the Sharks to just 20% from three. So um, it was, both games were the first game was a little more up and down, but they were both kind of, you know, a helter skelter type of pace. And, uh, you know, LIU wasn't making their shots and, uh, you know, credit to FDU it kind of, kind of helping stymie that, that, um, you know, that production from behind the arc. And it, it, it led to two, I think, comfortable wins for them. Yeah. I mean, it's no easy task. LIU is really good. And what they did in back-to-back -back series with Bryant and LIU is impressive. And as you said, they, you know, in going from worst to first, essentially over a two week span, just shows you how, uh, what kind of a topsy-turvy season we've had in the NEC. Um, another team that's done almost the exact same thing is Merrimack. You look, you look at a Merrimack team and what gets me is that you can say that possibly they arguably lost their three best players from a year ago. And yet here they are 10 games into the conference season and they're back in first place again. How, how are they getting it done? Yeah, you know, five and one in their last six. Uh, you know, they're getting it done with balance on the offensive end. You know, they have a number of weapons. You know, we we talked about before about, you know, Mikey Watkins and, you know, he had a, he had a you know, he, he really paced Merrimack in that second game with 16 points, eight rebounds and seven assists, a tremendous stat line. Ziggy Reed's been quiet for most of this year, but he had a really nice game in that opener, uh, 16 points on five of seven shooting. You know, we, we've talked about how awesome Jordan Miner's been. Um, they got Justin Connolly back. He was, I, I think he was out due to injury, but he kind of fortifies that back line of that zone. Um, he, he provided four blocks for, for Merrimack this weekend as well. And so, you know, they're, they're getting it done with balance. And, you know, losing guys like, you know, Hayes, Lord, and, and Joyner is tough, but um, this is kind of a system run uh, scheme that Joe Gallo's implemented. And, all these guys are veterans. They've been in the system at least for a year or so, and um, it's next man up for them. And they're 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 succeeding at the moment. Yeah, you know, I got to give Joe Gallo credit. He plays he plays a short rotation, and with the way they play defense, that's not easy to do because they go full force. Yet you watch the way that they take the air out of the ball on offense. Um, a lot of the time, they'll dribble off 15 seconds off the start of the shot clock. Everybody's getting a breather on offense, allows them to go full force back on the other end on defense. And especially on the second, you know, the second half 
after these back-to-backs, there, there's no appreciable drop-off in the energy of this Merrimack team. And you're right. I, I do like the next man up philosophy that they have. Mikey Watkins, Ziggy Reed, and Jordan Minor have gone from role players to, you know, pretty much stars this, this year for them. And some of the, you know, the other guys on the team in the pipeline that are starting to get more minutes, um, they're going to be good and they're going to be good next year as well. Um, let's go to Wagner. I was talking to a coach this week who said to me, quote, Wagner is really good. And Wagner has two of the best players in this conference. How good can Wagner be after we saw, um, you know, in the, after the sweep over St. Francis, Brooklyn? You know, they scored 1.17 points per possession in the two wins at the Pope Center. The thing that impressed me the most in those wins is they only made eight threes in those two games, but they got to the charity stripe a ton. I mean, they, they, got, to the, they got to the free throw line 63 times, Ron, in those two games, and they, they made 70% of, their, of those opportunities, which is good. And, you know, um, yeah, they're really good. And they, not only did they have Alex Morales and Elijah Ford, who I think you're referring to as the two best players in the league, you know, I think they're definitely top 10 guys at this point. Um, you know, Delaney Hunt's come on too, and we're gonna talk a little bit more about him later, but he had some big shots in that second game in Brooklyn. Um, you look at those three, Ford, Morales, and Hunt, they combined to score 113 of Wagner's 158 points over the past two games, you know, in, in these back-to-back. So, I mean, that's that's tremendous production for for uh, Bashir Mason's group, and it's kind of clear who's who's kind of leading the ship here for Wagner. Yeah, they're right in the hunt now. I love the way they go. They're always in attack mode, and they're always taking it to the rim. You have one of the most versatile players in the league in Morales. You have Elijah Ford, who you know, sort of came out of nowhere. And again, it gives them a versatile uh, inside outside guy and Delani Hunt. We'll talk more about him. He was pretty amazing last week. So Wagner, Merrimack, FDU come off big weeks. The standings are in flux. We'll see what happens next week. When we talk, everything could have changed again and we'll see what happens. But those are our weekend takeaways for this week's Twitter timeout. We go to an NEC alum, Raekwon Clark, one of the league's all-time top scorers, and he had his eye on LIU last week, and specifically Eral Penn coming off a 33-point, 20-rebound game last week against FDU. And as you can see, Raekwon was impressed. Ryan, Eral Penn's emergence, and we've talked about it in past pods, it has been amazing watching him turn into a star right before our very eyes what he did last week is sort of the 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 icing on the cake um what's his what's his like upside what is his potential how good can he be by the end of this season I mean I think we're seeing his upside right now I mean he's a player of the year candidate that's his upside you know he's he's in the discussion for the top three players in the league at this point when you look at his numbers he's the second most efficient guy in the league in Ken Palm rating uh, he's first in steal percentage. He's first in free throw rate. He's third in two point, you know, field goal percentage. Um, it's just incredible the numbers that he's putting up and the fact that, you know, they don't run a ton of offense through Erol. I know they do a little high low action with him and Ty Flowers a lot, but, you know, a lot of the buckets that he's getting, you know, he's getting them off offensive rebounds. He's getting them running the floor. He's creating turnovers. You know, he's, he's been a menace both around the rim and also on the perimeter, you, you look at him the way he kind of hedges on these ball screens and, you know, he's been able to strip some, you know, pretty, some guards with pretty good handles, you know, and get some steals as well. He's just having a tremendous impact on both sides of the ball. And um, like I said, he's, he's a player of the year candidate to this point. 
Absolutely. You know, the first NEC player in 23 years with a 30, 20 uh, game, you know, the only one in the nation this season to do it against the D1 opponent. I, I do think that the, the philosophy has changed a, a bit, especially when they're struggling. If LA is struggling with their three point shooting, they have been doing everything they can to lob the ball, dump the ball any way they can and let him fight for it, essentially jump ball him in the paint. And then he just goes to work and he doesn't miss down there. And, you know, one of the things that jumped out to me in looking at his numbers is that he ranks in the top three in scoring, rebounding, steals, blocks, and field goal percentage. This has never been done in, in, in the league's history. Does that versatility make him the most important player in the league to his team? Or is maybe not, I mean, you have your Jalil Jenkins and, you know, some other players, but how important is he to LIU success at this point to where they want to get to? He's critical. I mean, if you look at LIU last year, you know, we had them as the, um, the preseason number one, but that was before Eral Penn's injury, you know, then he, he ended up having a lost season because of it. Um, and then LIU finished fifth. I think, you know, that he was, Penn was the difference between LIU finishing first last year, say, and, and instead finishing in fifth. So, you know, putting him at the five, you know, he's kind of like Chris Ray in that he's so impactful on the defensive end, but he's also super efficient around the rim as well. And um, like you said, you know, just top three, top four in a number of different categories. Um, I love his game. I just love his efficiency, his happiness around the rim. And like I said, his ability to, to you know, he's making threes now. He's made 48% of his threes this year, which is incredible. So he just has a, an incredible all-around game. I think that's been the biggest surprise with the Ural is the fact that he's been able to expand his game out to where he's like basically a menace on the perimeter defensively, but also he's making threes as well. So, I mean, he's literally just doing it all. And to, to have him at the five helps Derek a lot because now Ty can play, Ty Flowers can play his natural four position. And then you could, you could roll out three guards in, in you know, any kind of rotation there. So to have him there has is, is been huge. And I, I do think, you know, no disrespect to any of the other players in the league. I think he is the most valuable player in terms of what he means towards his team. Eral Penn has been balling as of late. Raekwon Clark took notice, and that's our Twitter timeout. Heading into our Under the Radar segment, NEC has some really good bigs this year, and one of them is a freshman on FDU. Let's hear about him, Ryan. Yeah, uh, P.O. Racine from FDU. I mean, FDU's got a number of freshmen that have really contributed to, to Greg Horrenda's rotation, whether you're talking about Joe Munden or you know Mikey Square, but P.O. Racine's been really good of late. Um, you know, averaging, delivering averages of 13 points, five rebounds, one block, and 77% shooting from the floor um, of late. And he's just been a, an efficient, physical, rim-protecting big. Um, and, you know, his mid-range game has been respectable, too. He's made eight, he's made eight of 16, you know, away from the rim. So um, he's, been, he's been terrific. And, you know, right now, um, you know, he's, he's one of the most valuable freshmen in the league. He's a perfect complement to Elijah Williams' versatile game. You know, when you, when you could put like a 6'8 big who's comfortable around the rim um, and you kind of pair him with Elijah who could do a, a bunch of a bunch of uh, you know, things. And also, too, the thing I like about P.O., he's not just a lumbering big. He could run the floor. Um, and obviously, FDU likes to get out and transition, especially with Jaleel and Elijah kind of starting that. So to have that to have that kind of impact from a freshman big, it's tougher for freshman bigs to make an impact right away typically, but he's, he's, he was physically ready going in and uh, he's been, he's been terrific so far for FDU. Yeah. Make no mistake. He's got, he has a bright future. He is fun to watch. 
And, you know, you don't often get the bigs with the, with the sort of um, footwork and sort of defined low post game as a freshman. So it has been fun watching Pio Racine. He certainly will not be under the radar for long. And we'll be back next week with another under the radar player. Star watch time. We've already brought him up. We're headed to Staten Island. The reigning player of the week, Alex Morales. Um, he was terrific in Brooklyn over the weekend. Um, you know, scored 52 points, grabbed 18 rebounds, shot 16 of 26 from two. The thing I like about Morales' game, obviously, his versatility. He's really tough to contain on the wing. He's really, I think, embracing his role a lot more than he was earlier in the year, Ron. You know, he's, he's attempting a lot less threes. He's just kind of embracing his slashing style. And, you know, people know that they know what's coming with him. They know what's coming with Elijah Ford, and they just can't stop him. And the thing with Morales, too, is, I mean, 28 free throw attempts in two games, that's incredible. You know, it just that goes to show you he's, he's kind of unguardable at this moment. And another thing I love about him, he's just a jack of all trades. I mean, he's had six games with seven or more rebounds, six games with 17 or more points, five games with five or more assists, and in five games with two or more steals. I mean, what more do you want in terms of stuffing the stat sheet? Yeah, he does it as good as anyone in the country, some of his all-around numbers. And, you know, I like the fact that you can have a player that can drop 14 dimes one game and then score 27 the next game. He can do it all. He can fill gaps in what the team needs on any specific day. And uh, he's, been every, he's been every bit the star for Bashir Mason and Wagner this year. 100%. I mean, he's, he's a terrific player. And, uh, you know, he Wagner's going to go as far as Alex Morales takes them and, and – you know, the, 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 the sweep in Brooklyn is a good sign for them. All right, Ryan, that was our star watch this week. Alex Morales, Wagner College. For our play of the week, let's keep talking some Wagner hoops, Ryan. What do you got? Yeah, it's been a while since we talked about Wagner, right? You know, this is kind of a two-pack of plays for me with Delani Hunt, freshman Delani Hunt. Um, you know, the first one, he, he, he drained a number of clutch threes in that Brooklyn game, but, you know, near, near the end of overtime, you know, he drained a three at the top of the key to tie the game at 76. That was a huge bucket. Cause if he misses that shot and St. Francis Brooklyn gets a rebound, I don't know the exact numbers, but the Terriers are probably winning that game at that point, you know, up three with the ball late in overtime, but he drains it, you know, ice water in his veins. And then the very next possession, they get the defensive stop and then hunt, you know, kind of showcases his quickness his ability to get out and transition. He kind of beats everyone to the bucket. He ends up taking on two or three Terriers and finishing around the rim um, and, you know, giving, giving Wagner the lead there. And it ended up, you know, it ended up sticking. It was a lead that Wagner will not relinquish and they got a huge victory. And, you know, Hunt, he's really solidified Wagner's backcourt of late, you know, scoring 49 points on 15 of 28 shooting from deep while just committing one turnover over the last three games. I mean, that's really impressive. And, uh, you know, he's, um, I really like his game a lot, and he's been he's been a fixture in that backcourt. Absolutely, Delani Hunt been impressive. His end-to-end -end speed, his ability now, he's sticking the three. Uh, they have a good one in Staten Island, and I think he will be a fan favorite for years to come. Uh, Delani Hunt, who had our play or plays essentially of the week. Ryan, we've hit that point in the show where we hit our milestones this week. It's Mikey Watkins from Merrimack. What did he do? Guys, a hundred steal. Uh, in a Merrimack uniform in a, in a win against St. Francis University. You know, he's no longer, the junior guard's no, no longer playing under the shadow of Javaris Hayes, um, as he now has 101 steals for his career. Uh, he swiped two in the home victory over the Red Flash on Friday. And, 
you know, just, just kind of expanding on his game. You know, he, he was terrific on both ends of the floor, you know, had a, had a terrific game. And he's really stepped up for Joe Gallo now. He's, he's top 20 in scoring. He's seventh in assists. He's 14th in field goal percentage. And he's sixth in the league in steals per game at 1.9. So, um, and it's kind of funny. You look, at, you look at Watkins' numbers this year and you kind of compare them to Javaris Hayes' senior numbers. You know, Javaris was at 11 points five rebounds, eight assists a game, four steals. You know, Mikey Watkins is not too far off that. You know, he's at 13 points a game, four rebounds, four assists, two steals per game. So he's definitely filling in. He's filling in a lot for the departed Hayes, and that's been a that's been a, a tremendous uh, boon for Joe Gallo. Yeah, I love his game. Love watching him play. Love when they put him in isolations. He'll break you down. And defensively, he's just a disruptive force. You know, Javaris Hayes was an all-time disruptive force but Mikey Watkins is great in his own respect congrats uh to Mikey on securing his 100th career steal and that is our milestone of the week we have an NEC TV game coming up this week and it is our game to watch Ryan Merrimack at Central Connecticut February 11th at 7 p.m on ESPN plus you know this is this is kind of a must win for Danielle Marshall's group you know you got you got to protect your home court especially given how tight the standings are and this year we're only looking at you know the top four for the NEC tournament, so um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great game, I think. You know, if there's one weakness thus far in Merrimack zone, it's that they're allowing opponents to shoot 39% from deep. And we've seen when the Blue Devils make shots, you know, they're they're making 44% of them in four NEC victories. They're they're tough to beat. You know, you look at you look at last week when they they beat St. Francis University, or I should say two weeks ago when they beat St. Francis University, they were 12 of 25 from three. So that's going to be a critical aspect for Joe Gallo. Can they control the Blue Devils from the three-point line? Um, and I, I kind of expect this to be kind of a low-scoring half-court affair for the most part. So who's going to make the, who are going to make the biggest plays down the stretch is going to be critical. Big game for both teams. Merrimack looking to solidify their hold on first place. Central looking to get back into that playoff hunt, you know, to challenge some of these top four teams. We'll see on uh, Thursday, February 11th, 7 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Along with our TV game on ESPN+, Plus, you can follow the rest of this week's action on NEC Front Row or on the NEC On The Run app. As always, free to watch. Time to wrap things up on this week's NEC On The Run. Ryan, we had a, uh, an exciting week of hoops last week. I can't wait. We got a little taste on Monday watching LIU in St. Francis, Brooklyn. And then we have Thursday, Friday action this week. Can't wait to see how it all shakes down. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Ron. All right. It's NEC on the run on the NEC Overtime Pod. See you next week.